Welcome to Auto F Topic. Hey, Brad, how are you? You feeling any better? Uh, I am a lot more lucid this week than I was last week, so that's good. So I'm 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 not going to say I'm feeling better. I'm actually the most sore I've been since the day of the accident, uh, which is probably not good. But uh, I am no longer on any medication, so I should have a, a nice right with it podcast today. Yeah, um, I only had to do some minor editing the last one, but it worked out fine. Yeah, I as we discovered just before recording this. Now I. Uh, I have some mem- some blank memories from last week. <laughs> I was like, oh, we never talked about NASCAR. It's like, no, we talked about NASCAR at the Coliseum. I was like, oh, I don't remember that. So yeah, it's not uh, it was not a pleasant not a pleasant time. I think that was like the day or two days after the accident, right? I think so. so yeah. So we're we're a, a week and a half later, we're in a little better place. Um That happened to me after I had my uh, Achilles tendon fixed. it was around Christmas time and some people came over to see me. And then, like, weeks later, they're like, yeah, we came over to see you. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember. That's kind of what happened. I think it was a combination of I was still in some kind of, like, again, there was, I haven't discussed too much about the accident yet because I can't until, you know, the whole thing sussed out. But there was a a moment of uh, of blackout time uh, after the accident or during the accident that I don't remember after the, you know, either right before or after the impact into the wall. Uh, so they may have been some concussion symptoms on top of the uh, muscle relaxers. I'm not sure. I'm you not sure have which a concussion. It sounds like you have a concussion or had a concussion and are still yeah, recovering from it. Yeah, there's no question. So it was a combination of that plus the muscle relaxers that last week is. Uh, it's not. It's not. I I don't want to relive it anyway, so I'm glad I can't. How's that sound? Yeah. So yeah, once there's no no news on that front either. I haven't uh, hasn't been any determination of anything from any insurance company. You know, they're still waiting for the police report, which is supposedly 15 days, which I think is a long time. But what do I know? Hmm. So, yeah, we'll get into that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon it will be all straightened out and we can have a full conversation about it. I just don't want there to be any. I don't know. It's, it's I guess it's kind of like a pending legal case, right? You can't really discuss too much about it and you don't want to. Yeah, it's fine. So, yeah, we'll just leave it alone. We, I mean, we could talk about what you want to replace it with. That would be fine. Yeah, we can get into that in a little bit. That's for sure. Um, that's that's actually a whole a hotly contested debate right now. Oh yeah, yeah. With you and me, or other people? I uh, no, it's me and myself. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. I've been. Uh, I've been going back and forth a lot. Let's put it that way. You know, we'll 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 get into the discussion when we talk about the Volkswagen a little later. That's that's the main crux of it, I think. Well, we've got some car news. We actually just quickly watched uh, a trailer uh, tipped off by the Japanese Nostalgic Car blog. Yeah, Ben uh, actually put a, a little a little snippet of it up so you can uh, go to JapaneseNostalgicCar.com and, and see this uh, clip. Yeah, it's called The Live Hoon. I don't know. Which is not, not a great name. I'm sure something's lost in translation there. Yeah, so it's Japanese-only movie so far. Uh, but it's synopsis. The main character is an esports driver racing Gran Turismo, um, which is a big thing now. Um, and then wants to make the jump to drifting. So Keiichi Tachi is in it, a bunch of other famous drifting guys. They go to like Ebisu. What's remarkable and looks really cool is that the movie is marketed as zero CG. 
Yeah, it's all actual driving shots. Mm. So that should be pretty cool. Hopefully it gets released to like YouTube or something or streaming somewhere. Yeah, hopefully we can get it somewhere and we can get it with subtitles and not dubbed. That would be key. Yeah, I'd rather have subtitles. I mean, I'd yeah. watch without anything. But It's interesting because it's a Japanese film. A lot of times you see these kind of you know, action movies come from somewhere overseas and they're not Japanese. They're usually like a, a, a Korean or a Bollywood film. Um, so it's neat that this is actually a Japanese film. And I guess with this zero CG, you know, according to Ben's article, he wrote, they call that CG zero. That's the name of the uh, the process, the filming process of not using any CG and just using all live action shots. Oh, so. now I'm trying to think of, you said Bollywood. There is like a Bollywood race car type movie. There's a Bollywood drifting these, movie. Yeah, where all the se- all the driving sequences are like Forza Horizon or something. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, no, there's there's two I'm thinking of. I don't. I can't think of the name of either of them because I wasn't prepared to t- discuss them. So no, it, came out of it just there. popped into my head when he said it. Yeah. So there's one that yeah, all of the driving sequences are from Forza Horizon, which like is it's hysterical. hilarious. Like the it goes from like live action to Forza. You're like what? Yeah, yeah. Which Forza is pretty good, but it's still obviously not live. It's so, very jarring. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we've made some pretty garbage CG movies in this country in the past few years as well i don't know if you've oh. seen Gem- gemini man no but uh there's not been a worse cg movie so i think the cg in star wars original release is more convincing and better than the cg in gemini man so wait if that tells you anything you mean the re-release star wars in the early 2000s 90s no i mean like legitimately the cg from the 1970 whatever year well, that wasn't cg <laughs> Oh, okay. It's different. <laughs> okay, you're right. Sorry, I apologize. The there was the special loop. effects. Well, yeah, in that it's movie done differently. Are more believable than the CG in um, Gemini Man. Miniature models are always better. Practical effects is what they. One hundred percent. What I'm thinking of is like the lasers and stuff that were added after after the fact. And obviously, uh, that yeah. Way. yeah. But I thought you were talking about like the special editions that were released re-released to theaters like the like job of the hot walks like that version is like really yeah that was also really bad but also again better than gemini man i i can't i can't describe to you how bad the cg is in gemini man it's a major motion picture from like the year 2019 and it is it's 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 atrocious so it's also a bad movie so don't waste your time but try to check out some scenes if you can don't watch the whole movie off so then off topic there's uh do you remember rescue rangers the disney show for the 90s of course. Like the disney afternoon show like i love that show when i was a kid of course so they're doing a reboot of it okay but it's like a real meta reveal reboot like it's not it's the reboot is that that show existed in the 90s as a cartoon but the cartoons exist in real life <laughs> like oh Who frame roger rabbit so it's like self-aware. It's self-aware. So like mm. if you watch the trailer, like Chip is still 2D animation. And then Dale. No, sorry. Dale is right. Which one was? It doesn't was matter. Dale, it doesn't matter. So one of them had CGI surgery. So he's like 3D modeled. <laughs> it's like really weird. Okay. And it's, and it's from... Uh, uh, Lonely Island, right? Is that Andy Samberg and... Okay, so it's not serious at all. 
yeah, it's not. It's so it's yeah, it's like super meta. You know, definitely marketed to our age group who watch the show. It's gonna be well, on Disney Plus. <laughs> listen, here's the deal. So we're 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 already off topic. We might as well stay there. Um, so we're recording this a couple days after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the entire Super Bowl commercial, halftime show, after commercials afterwards, everything about it was from the nineties. And one of the main things I noticed was that that whole swing of nineties stuff was very popular amongst the whole thing. Uh, and they also advertised that they're rebooting the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. As a serious drama, though. As a serious, like, super dark drama. It looked kind of cool. It did, but at the same time, I don't think we need that. I don't think we need a new rescue. It's not rating. for you. <laughs> it is for me. It's it's directly related to people our age, people who grew up with the Fresh Prince. It's for us, I assume. Oh, so speaking of the halftime show, we'll bring it back to cars here. Okay. Our past guest, Jeremy Nutt, had a post yes. he figured out. Those hoods on the lowriders were reinforced. They knew they were going to yes. be dancing on them. They reinforced them. Uh, they weren't even the hoods that belonged on the car. They were they, they were they aftermarket hoods that were purchased. So the three cars that were used in the halftime show belonged to a car club in California, members of a car club in California, who I, I'm going to forget the name of right now, so I'm not even going to say it. It's something like the Villains or something like that. Um, and they, they found three cars in the colors they wanted, and they purchased aftermarket hoods and then if you saw the pictures online, I think Jer- the ones Jeremy posted, um, but they were reinforced in the bottom so they wouldn't collapse. But they painted them to match the cars and swapped them on for the for, for the halftime show. And then mm-hmm. when they gave the cars back at the end, they put their owner's original hoods on. So no Impalas were damaged in the making of the halftime show. Uh, also, I guess Dr. Dre liked one of the cars so much that he bought it from the guy. Yeah, I did see that. So, yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no, 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 no animals were damaged. Animals, I guess they're impalas. That's like a yeah, that's an animal, right? No cars were damaged. I was gonna say no animals were harmed in the filming of this movie, but no cars were filmed. Ah, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I still do have a concussion. I don't know what's happening. No cars were damaged during the filming of this halftime show. Uh, yeah, I don't even. Um, man, what is a what is a beautiful lowrider like that go for? Anyways, they, they gotta be. I, it depends. So they something six figures now? Uh no, they they can be. I wouldn't say those ones were. I don't know what they have for a suspension in those or what the undercarriage detailing was like. But if they're a basic full actual sixty two, three, four impala convertible with, you know, just a nice resto and full hydraulics, it's sixty to seventy grand. Wow. Um, they gotta be a lot more if you start getting the ones that have like the fully detailed chassis and mm-hmm. you know etched all the chrome is hand etched and there's gold leaf on things and the paint has got 15,000 different colors and stripes and panels and so they, they definitely go up from there but you're looking in the in the 60s to 70s for a, a basic impala style or rider so convertible probably a little more but yeah they're not they're not cheap that's for sure they never yeah. really were to be fair no I mean, no. Even when they were in their heyday, they were usually pretty spendy builds. That's why you don't usually see like the Impalas and those being used in the like jumping competitions as much as you'll see like an old Cutlass. Yeah. Because they could buy a Cutlass for a thousand bucks from the buy here, pay here lot and put hydraulics in it and make it jump 10 feet in the air. So traditional like old school lowriders are a whole culture that I'm like extremely interested in. 
you know, not so much the hopping competitions and all that, but the fancy paint and the, well, their art, it's just, they are high yeah, art. Yeah. They're really nice. Some of them are, some of them blow my mind. And I, I have this fantasy build in the back of my head. It's not a full low rider, but it kind of mixes some of the traditional, you know, early seventies, low rider styles with some hot rod styles. And it's, it's always in my head and someday I'll have the, the money and time to build something to match that aesthetic. But yeah, they're, they're really interesting. And, you know, we were kind of sheltered from that culture on the East coast. There's not a huge low rider culture. I mean, there's a few of them out there, but moving out here to Phoenix, I mean, I, I can stumble upon a low rider show a few times a year by accident and, you know, be guaranteed to have my mind blown by something amazing in the parking lot. So cool stuff. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever own a full hydraulic car, but you know, some of these big, you know, old sleds on airbags that park and just let the air out and put the frame on the ground are really neat looking. <laughs> so no, they really are. It's kind of where my style is at a little bit. So maybe, uh, maybe on Japanese sedan done up that way or something. Do something a little different. But anyway, we're so off topic, Andrew. I don't even know where we began. We were talking hey, about you know, a movie. You know, we're like a ship on fire in the Atlantic. Yeah. Oh, good segue. Yeah. Uh, guys so ruined by calling it a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to call out the jokes, man. Um, yeah. The facility ace. Sorry, Felicity Ace. Uh, it's a car carrier that was kind of close to the Azores. So we've talked about the Azores before because I went there for the rally. So it's off the coast of Portugal, but they're kind of like a few hundred miles off the coast of Portugal. Like they're not really that close. They're kind of almost in the middle of the Atlantic. And uh, apparently it caught fire. Uh, all the crew was rescued, but now the ship is adrift. Um and it's like you don't think about it, but when you actually look at like the vessel tracker, like I was curious, there's a lot of ships around. So it's really dangerous to just have a ship adrift. Um, yeah, it would kind of be like a, I don't know, a, a car just rolling down the freeway with nobody in it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, marine salvage laws are pretty crazy. Like it's, it's like kind of almost finders keepers. So yep. I'd be curious to see, you know, there's companies that will try to salvage it. Or I think if they can't salvage it, if it gets to a certain point where if it ends up going to be in a dangerous area and like shipping lanes, they'll have, you know, whatever country's Navy is closest, like sink it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if somebody can find it and salvage it and put the fire out. I mean, like you said, finders keepers, if there's anything to salvage on there, it becomes theirs, right? Basically. And if you tow it back to port, then the owner of the ship is sort of beholden to you to you like you, they have to pay you for it. <laughs> like it's kind of weird, but yeah, by either either pay you in whatever the cost of the rescue mission was or, yeah, or you get to claim the ship or fit the goods to you. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, at, at first I was like, How, why did they abandon ship? But then my brain was like, yeah, obviously they abandoned ship. It'd be like being stuck in a burning dumpster rolling down a street. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Get out. Like yeah. you're in basically a flaming giant metal carcass at that point. Like, yeah. If I mean, if they no have, they have firefighting stuff, but if there's only 22 people, if they can't knock the fire down and you lose power, it's like, like yeah, once you, you do? yeah, once you lose control of a big ship like that, it's pretty dangerous. So like you got to get off of it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then it's just dangerous for everybody else, but not you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was it, the important thing that we even bring this up, or why we're talking about this, is this the, the ship <laughs> that Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen Audi Group 
uses to ship cars from Germany to the States. So this thing here was destined for Rhode Island, right? Yeah. And it's got uh, a bunch of Porsches on it. A bunch of Porsches, a bunch of Volkswagens, a bunch of Audis, and some other stuff that hasn't Bentleys. been like said yet. Yeah. But uh, do you know, did you read the cargo capacity of this ship? How many cars it can hold? It's like 3,000. It's 4,000. Oh, 4,000. Yeah. So if this thing is full of cars, like that's a huge loss for, for a company. Like, yeah. Especially if it's Porsche and they have, you know, Porsches are mostly special order cars, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody orders a car and they wait Especially for it. Especially right now. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, any car right now. But yeah, can you imagine like you've waited your whole life to buy a Porsche? This, you know, newest one comes out. You're like, yeah, I'm going to order exactly to my spec. I'm going to get the way I want it. And the next thing you know, it's just up in flames in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, like, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's first world problem, right? But you, still, you never had it to begin with, so you don't know what you lost. And they'll just yeah, make you I, another one. I think I'd still be pretty upset. And people have talked about that already, too. Like, I guess there was a situation when they were bringing over like one of the limited production GT3s where a ship sank and they yeah. lost a few limited production GT3s and they made a few more for the people. So I'm sure if there's anything like that on the ship, they'll be remade. But, you know, and again, they're all brand new cars. So as far as loss goes, it is what it is. You know, it's it's obviously going to be a financial loss for, I guess, at the end user, the insurance company. Mm. But it's, uh, it's, still, it's still tough to hear. And, you know, if I had ordered a car and it was on that ship, I'd be a little bummed. That said, my Volkswagen is currently on the market and the prices went up 20% because, that's right. you know, 4,000 of them just burned to the ground. <laughs> Although that's a heck of a bring a trailer story, right? If they salvage the ship and there's a couple that are still okay and you bought one of the cars, you're like, yeah, this was the car was on the ship and it survived. It's like a weird. Yeah, that's true. 30 years from now, it's a Barrett Jackson million dollar car. <laughs> yeah. Because survival, yeah. felicity, whatever. Yeah, I was actually chatting with a friend of the show and a former guest, Ron, earlier today about this this whole story. Uh, do you remember when the Cougar Ace capsized in 2006? Uh, that was in the Pacific? It had, like, Mazdas on it? Yeah, it had 4,700 Mazdas on it. Yeah. And they rescued the ship, and there were a bunch of cars on there that were dry because they were above waterline. Mm-hmm. But Mazda refused to sell them and scrap them all. Yeah, because the salt air. Yeah, they were just just in case. So they didn't want to even take a chance. So, you know, I don't think that uh, Volkswagen or Porsche would be very happy if anything off this boat got uh, released to the public, put it that way. So do you know the saddest um, cargo carrying boat sinking story for auto enthusiasts? Uh, Chrysler, the concept car? Nope, don't care about that. This is very near and dear to my heart. Actually, it might not be the saddest uh, to most people, but it would be the saddest to me. Okay. So in 1971, there was a carrier off the coast of Canada, the west coast of Canada, that sank to the bottom of the ocean, uh, and it was fully loaded with brand new Dodge Colts. Mm. So obviously (laughs) that is... The saddest of all the stories. And I only say that because that many, you know, potential parts cars are now gone. So they were headed to Canada. They were doomed anyway, but still it's, I've I've seen pictures from sometime in the nineties and you can still see some like identifiable trim and hubcaps, but there's not much left of those cars. So anyway, to bring it back to stuff that actually affects us, cheap Dodge Colts. Yeah. 
we were actually having a conversation at work today. Um, I'm going to, are you done with the story about the boat? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and I'm going to throw this on you very quickly without you being able to look anything up top of your head. What's the most beautiful car ever built? Dodge Colts, notwithstanding. Um, like my choice. What, what, in your opinion, what is the most beautiful car ever built? Don't go so obscure. You have to look it up. Just what comes to your head immediately. Um, ooh. Yeah, because I can't, I can't think of any like Alphas or Fiats or anything off the top of my That's head. That's what I mean. So. It's just got to be, it, it can be a mainstream car. It's just got to be the most beautiful car. We, we, we presented this, we presented this question to everybody at work today. And it was interesting to see where the, where the answers came from and what the argument was and what everybody GT. thought. So 2000 GT was mentioned. Um, uh, the majority of everybody brought up the Lamborghini Miura. It's okay. <laughs> what? I think there are prettier cars. Than the Mira. Yes, definitely. Huh. There's some Alphas that there's like one or two were made. I can't remember the name of them. I think we were talking like general production cars. Okay. Then there's that caveat. All right. Um, well, let's listen. I The Mira to me is the obvious choice. It's the, it's the mainstream choice. It's a Lamborghini. Everybody remembers what it is. We we had some outliers of the 2000 GT, uh, the Jaguar XKE, the BMW 507. Some of that stuff was also brought up, but I would say overwhelming majority, the Lamborghini Miro was considered to be the most beautiful car ever made by everybody at work. Who knows anything about cars? There was one outlier who said the new Bronco, but they don't count because they're not a car person. What um, what was that round door? 30s car yeah the round door rolls yeah but it's not beautiful why isn't it it's it's just big and like ostentatious yeah, why if you're going to do a car because it's not look at it if you're going to do a car from it that is. era you would probably it's... say something like a talbot or a uh, bugatti atlantique what what is the what is the qualifications i mean it's opinion it's, it's opinion <laughs> It's 100% opinion. There's no qualifications. It needs to be your opinion. But I think if you Googled round door rolls right now, you would have the opinion that it's not the most beautiful car ever built. It's it's not. Like I said, if you want to go that era, you'd go to the uh, like Type 57 Bugatti Atlantique or something along those lines. The round door rolls is like a big thing that's, I don't know, it's known for being big and in your face, but it's not. I wouldn't consider it to be the most beautiful car ever. It's neat. It's just not perfect. So I, don't know. I just don't think it's the mirror. It's okay. Well, how about this? We're going to revisit this next week. Once you've had a week to look into it and think about it, if you can come up with something that's a the, the Fiat uh, eight valve Vignali coupe. Sure. I don't want to take time to look all these up right now. That's the prettiest uh, car. All right, you don't even need the whole week. No. How many are made? I think like four or something insane. Yeah, I'm gonna have to argue with this. All right, yeah. I I disagree, but I guess that's what opinions are. One right? of nine. All right. Well, it's a pretty car. Are you talking about the one with the inboard headlights or the headlights on the top tips of the fenders? 
tips the fenders. Okay, because there were two. So, all right, I'll uh, I'll let that be your opinion, and uh, we'll suffer the court of opinion in our, uh, you know, email chats in the next week or so. Uh, if anybody wants to, I just uh, don't think the mirror is that special. It's good looking. I'm not saying it's ugly, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't strike me as like. Beautiful. If anybody wants to argue with Andrew, um, feel free to message us anywhere you follow us on social media. Please, please do, because this is a, a, a hotly debated topic. And uh, I, I think that while the Fiat is a pretty car, I don't think it stands out. If, if I showed you a picture of the Fiat 8-valve Vignale uh, Vig, Coupe, nobody would know what it was either. Like, it's just kind of... But it even like... All right, so like a pontoon Fender 250 GTO. Sure. A mirror looks better than that car? I think so. I, don't yeah, know. I, I agreed with the mirror. I thought the mirror was it. It's it's just a, it's, it's the beginning of that whole mid-engine supercar. It, it is the first supercar. Like, I don't know. Anyway, if anybody has any opinions, please feel free to uh, shoot them at Andrew or us because I'm not positive that that's... Again, there's no right or wrong answer. Okay, let me rephrase that. There's no right answer, but there are certainly wrong answers, and I think Andrew gave one. No. No, no, no. So. <laughs> no I think no. so. Uh, a wrong answer would be uh, a 74 Dodge Colt. But... <laughs> the Bronco. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... Uh, there's, there's a person at work who works in marketing. Uh, very good person, very nice person, but not a car person. Uh, and when they said the most beautiful car ever, they said, oh, a new Bronco. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, it's brand new. I was like, not the car that you would buy most off the lot right now, but like the most beautiful car ever built. So there's going to be a little caveat to that. Again, if the one thing you want to buy right now is a new Bronco, then yeah, you're probably going to like the new Bronco a lot. But I don't think anybody is saying it's the most beautiful vehicle ever built. So, and if they are, then oof. I mean, what? Because it has round lines, like it's rounded edges. I mean, you go with the, you know, the original Lamborghini. Wedge shape, well, the original Countach. Yeah, the original Countach is what I meant. I mean, it's or, striking, or, but I say or it's a, a Stratos. Again, striking, interesting, very cool, not beautiful. Why not beautiful? Because it has hard beautiful. edges. Because it's not beautiful. I don't know about this. I, I think that you're going to find that you are in the strong minority. Um, once we start asking this question around a little bit more. Anyway, just to burn everything down, that's what I'm saying. I think the Mira is the most beautiful, and I don't love beautiful cars as a rule. I like ugly cars. So, I'm an ugly guy. I need an ugly car. just makes sense. So, anyway, moving on. Have you uh, done any project car stuff, Andrew? I know it is the deep freeze out there. I was warm enough that I washed all the salt off the Volkswagen. That's about it. It's a project. Yeah. You're uh, helping it not have too many projects in the future when you have to replace floors. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, I don't think you would ever have to. I don't know about new cars and replace floors. Was the Mazda. Yeah. Oh. I feel like I would hope. I mean, I didn't get the sunroof, so there shouldn't be any water leaking inside the car. So I haven't done any projects per se. Um, as we learned last week, the Saab is no longer with us. 
Mm. Uh, I discussed all those projects I did, but were all for naught. Um, and I haven't really been in much of a, a physicality to do any projects. So I cleaned the Volkswagen inside and out, and mm. I'd be remiss if I didn't give huge shout out to Naomi for helping me clean the interior because, I mean, she basically cleaned the interior while I complained about how sore I was. So I can't really, uh, I can't really take credit for that one. But um, the reason being, I put the car up for sale. So obviously we're in the middle of, you know, Carmageddon or the Carpocalypse, Carpocalypse or whatever you want to call it right now with the whole, the chip shortage and the material shortage and the new car shortage, right? So we mm-hmm. all know that used cars have gone through the roof. Uh, I'm in a position where the value of my car exceeds what I think I need to keep it for. So I'm trying to get rid of it. Um, I put it on the market and it's one of the, actually it is the most inexpensive TDI that I could find with a six speed manual and under a hundred thousand miles. So the next closest one I found was like 14 and change. So I put a thousand dollars under that at thirteen five to you know it needs a little bit of paint work on the front uh, hood and fender. So, Some people won't even care because they just want it for because they're mileage queens. Exactly. And by mileage queens, I mean like mile per gallon queens. Yes. Yeah, I know what you meant. That's like so, a, that's like a thing. Yep, hundred percent. And it's got like I said, it's commuting damage on the nose. You know, I hit that pallet yeah. and it damaged the bumper, um, and the rock chips from driving across country. It just it it, it could use a refreshing on the front. But that's the only damage in the car. The rest of the car is immaculate. And I've taken this thing, you know, across the country multiple times. It's always been serviced at a Volkswagen dealer. The only thing they didn't do was the clutch and flywheel, which was just replaced a thousand miles ago. And the only reason they didn't do it because they wanted $6,000 for a job that should be like 1500. So, uh, but everything else has always been dealer service. So it's a nice car. It's ready to go. Um, I went out and I took a bunch of pictures of the exterior before I cleaned the interior. And I have to take a bunch of pictures now of the interior to post those. But so the car is in the market. Here's my dilemma, Andrew. What's the dilemma? So the plan was to sell the car. Yeah. Take some of the money from selling the car and put it aside to buy another car. Right. But I don't know how fast that would happen. Okay. So before that happens... I have a 64-mile commute every day, so it's 32 miles each way. All right. I think I'm having a little bit of, uh, for lack of a better word, almost like a, a PTSD for my car accident. Okay. I don't think I want to commute in the Eclipse. No. I don't think I want to commute in my 1981 Cressida that I need to finish together. Okay. As far as an everyday drive. So the entire plan when I initially was going to sell the Volkswagen was to commute in the Saab because it was while old and interesting and paid off, it was also new enough to have crumple zones and airbags, Hmm. which thank goodness it does because I experienced all of them. Um, Yeah. I mean, you never, for those that listen to us a long time, you never cared about this before. I never cared about it before. No. And I've driven garbage my entire life. And that's why I'm not sure if, if this is a feeling that will pass. 
Is it just because I had an accident like less than two weeks ago? Will I eventually like subside and be like, whatever, I'll just drive an old car again? Or is it because I'm in a an area where I literally commute entire like I get off onto the highway like less than a mile from my house and I get off the highway less than a mile from work. So, you know, 30 of those 32 miles are interstate miles where you're just always, you know, doing 80 miles an hour and other people doing 80 miles an hour. And I need to rely on all of those people doing 80 miles an hour to be not drive into me. It's nice to have a substantial car to commute in. Like that's where my brain is. Even when I had, uh, the, the WRX, it was old, but it was modern. So and I get, the, and which is the GDWXs were very safe cars, which is the same story with the Saab. It was a 1997 car, but in 97 Saabs were pretty safe cars. Um, and again, I hit a wall at 50 miles an hour and I'm here to tell the tale. If I hit that wall at that speed in a Colt or a Cressida or any of those cars, I probably would have had to have been cut out. And if, if I was able to even be, here anymore you know what i mean so listen i've so i'm 40 years old i got my license at 16 so that means i've been driving for what 24 years yeah i've never had a serious accident i've never had it's been a couple of like dust ups in traffic where somebody's bumped me in traffic or it has been a little you know thing in traffic over the years but i've never had a serious accident so i've never thought about it and it's always been like i'll avoid the serious accident and nine times out of ten or I guess 999,000 times out of 100,000, you know, I can anticipate what the other car is doing and avoid an accident. There have been plenty of times where I've seen an accident about to happen and avoided it, but there's never been a time like this where it was almost not an accident. This was, I mean, we'll get into it in the future episode, but I think this wasn't on purpose. Um, And I've just never experienced that before. And I think I'm, I'm having this moment in my life and I don't know what the right move is. I'm at a point with the Volkswagen where if I continue to drive it, it's never going to be worth more than it is right now. I don't know how long this car apocalypse is going to last. But the problem is if I sell it now while I am in the green a lot on the car, I have to buy another car and be in the red on another car. Or if I just keep the Volkswagen... Eventually, I'll be in the red on the Volkswagen instead of being in the green. So I'm kind of torn on what to do, and I've never been in this position before. This doesn't mean I'm going to stop driving old cars. You know, I'm still going to use them to go to events and drive around town and whatnot. I just, where I have an interstate commute, and I don't know if it's just that I'm fresh off the accident or if this is how I'm going to feel moving forward. I just, I can't tell that right now. So I'm kind of... I'm kind of at a loss of what to do because if I sell that car. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. If I sell that car, the most modern vehicle that I have is a 1990 Mitsubishi Eclipse with zero airbags. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's got those auto belts. They will save my butt. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know. What what was your, what was your comment going to be? I mean, what's a, what's a bread box SI going for these days? A bread box SI? Oh, like yeah, an EP3. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't even been on my radar. Probably a lot just because they're... I don't think they are. I think they're not. I think they're kind of un, un, unloved because they don't have the right suspension. They don't have the right K-series. But it's a pretty modern car. Manual transmission. Good old hatchback. 
Um, maybe you can find one out there that's got like a little sun faded, but it would be a good uh, fun daily beater. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I need a fun daily beater that's cheap. And the reason that I'm looking at selling the Mark Five Golf, the Mark Mark Six, Mark Six. Oh, buy a Mark Five, you mean? Yeah. yeah the, the reason I'm looking at selling the Volkswagen is because I'm at a point now, and I don't think this will hurt my sale with our listeners hear this, but I'm at a point now where the car is worth more than I paid for it three years ago. So by that's, selling that's it, that's just the way the world is right now. It's not, which, it, but it's weird. But I might as well take advantage of it and then get something new, right? With yeah. my thought. But my thought was going to be drive an old car or drive the Saab. So then I was like, well, now I don't know what to do because my brain hurts. Literally. <laughs> my brain hurts from the accident and it hurts in general. So, and of course, my idiot uh, brain is looking for Civics here and immediately goes to a 1978 Civic, which isn't going to help me any bit in my process here. Let's see. Owner. So, yeah, there's no EP3s anywhere here for sale right now. Nope. So... I don't even know if they exist. The oldest, the only old SI I see yeah. here is a 2000. Um, yeah, which I would, find. which I would drive, but this one here has got a uh, J32 A2 V6 swap, which I don't want. Especially since they cut the hood to put it there. Oh yeah, I saw it. I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah it's gross. Which is a shame. It's a nice car otherwise. But anyway, so yeah, that's where my that's where my head is at, and uh, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I'm just kind of at a loss because if, if I keep the car, I'm never going to be at the point again where the car owes me negative equity. You know what I mean? So it's only going to go down. It's at 92,000 now. You know, when it crosses that 100,000 mile threshold, does it lose more value? Yeah, mm. it seems to. And then it, as it gets older, it just gets older. And I don't know. It's not the other issue is the car is not paid off. So, I mean, let me rephrase that the car is paid off, but I took out a personal loan at a lower interest rate than my car loan was because obviously I bought this car and I was trying to reestablish credit. Um, so I have like a oh, like six grand on the car. So the whole thought was to get out of it, get out of all loans, and just be in the sob, you know free and clear and then save that car payment every month to put towards the fun cars. But now the sob being gone, my whole plan is ruined. <laughs> so I don't know what to do here. I got one for you. 1997 okay. Subaru legacy manual transmission. It's an outback legacy. Okay. No. For $2,500. Well, see, uh, here's the thing. Here's the other end of this argument. And God, everybody's going to hate me for this whole conversation, but if I buy a $2,500 car that I have no idea about, I'm going to have $2,500 car problems. Yeah. Right? Because that, that's really an $800 car <laughs> in our, in our, you know, in our, in our um, universe, that's really, it should be an $800 car. That's because we paid $800 for one 15 it years has, ago. It has 215,000 miles on it and it's a 97. That should be $800. Well, nothing is $800 anymore. No. I missed the irony of your comment. I thought you were being serious. What? That I should buy that car. Oh no, I was being serious. Oh, okay. Yeah, I but just right. I, I that yeah, should I, be <laughs> I, I just I have that that 
if I'm spending a lot of money for a car, I don't want, I, if I'm spending a little bit of money for a car, I'm going to have to work on it a lot. If I spend a lot of money for a car, I'm not going to be in any better position than I'm in right now. Here, you can live your best um, Phoenix dirtbag life. Uh, 2006 Infiniti G35 Coupe. Automatic? Nope. Pretend to be a real estate agent? You just need some uh, broken heart stickers and mismatched. Mismatched. It's actually uh, really nice looking. <laughs> they wrong transmission, though. Anyway, so that's, 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 my, that's my argument right now, or my discussion right now. I just don't know where to go with it. Because the whole plan was to get rid of the Volkswagen to drive the Saab. Saab is gone. Now I don't have a backup plan. And selling the Volkswagen would mean I have to buy a car. And the Saab, I knew. So it wasn't like I was buying an unknown. And it was already here, so it wasn't going to cost me anything. So, What's the cheapest FRS or BRZ? Way more than I want to spend right now. Really? Yeah. So let me, I guess I should tell what my ultimate goal was. My ultimate goal was to sell the Volkswagen daily the Saab. Save aside, like maybe the, I guess, six, seven grand Delta I was going to have there. Eventually sell some of the other stuff. Get to the point where I had 15, 16, 17 grand put aside and go shopping for an Evo. But like an Evo two or three. Because they were in the low twenty thousand dollar range, right. that was my ultimate goal. But now the Saab being gone, it really throws a wrench in my plans. I could sell everything and drive the Eclipse every day, and I just don't know that I want to do that because I'm not sure that's the right move. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I just don't know anymore. I feel like there should be a way to get a super cheap car that's you know modern enough to be safe and have airbags, and I just don't think there is. How about an O one? MX-5. For eight I grand. Might, I might as well try the Eclipse. Why? It's I got mean, airbags. Yeah, but it's Miata. And a roll bar. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm having an out loud conversation and thought and process, and I'm just, I don't think you're going to find a car that I'm going to go, yeah, that's it right now, unless you find an Evo for like eight grand, but you're not, so. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I mean, this is a V6, but what about like an O5-ish a Mustang GT. I already thought about it. All right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti it. I'm just anti the whole plot. The whole plan was to get rid of a car payment. So if I'm so buying another 10, 15,000, well, I still need a car payment. Uh, I don't have, I don't have 10 grand saved aside oh, to buy a car. Right, you gotta pay the balance. I got to pay the balance that let's balance the $6,000 loan off, you know, six or seven grand. And then I have, you know, I get if I get my full asking price of thirteen five, I have what five grand left over. So I'm not, and then I'm also ruining my future plan of buying an Evo. Like I'm trying to be financially, fiscally responsible here, and it's just making it very difficult because I'm not sure what I want to do. the The best financial plan, of course, is to collect the insurance money from the Saab, sell the Volkswagen, try take the Eclipse off of the you know, Haggerty policy, put it on a regular insurance policy and just drive it. That makes the most financial sense. I'm just having a, I don't know. I'm having a moment where I'm not sure what my my best plan should be. So. How about a 2004 Mitsubishi Eclipse? $1,500. What body style is that? Uh, third gen. Ugh. It is as toasted as you think it is. Yeah. Poke me in the head of the stick. 
I'd, I'd, I'd rather I'd, if I was driving that car, I'd rather it not have airbags because I don't want to die in the accident. <laughs> no, thank you. Also, you know, you had me pull up you know, Craigslist here while we're talking about this. And do you want to guess what a 2013 Civic Si two-door coupe manual transmission with 50,000 miles on it's going for right now? Uh, it's like 22 grand or something. Or something. 22,590. That's yeah. crazy. 2008 PT Cruiser, $2,500. Right. You're not helping. You need Nissan Leaf? I, you know what? Honestly, I would love to drive an electric car. Because I get to go in the carpool lane and not deal with the idiots and just drive past everybody. But you don't have any charge on leaf. And he's on leaf doesn't have the range. <laughs> if I were to do that, I would go out and buy an e golf. E golf is what like a hundred miles of range. And yeah, that would be enough to go to and from work. But I, I just I I don't want to spend the money. So I just don't know. Ninety six Suzuki X ninety. Sixty two hundred sixty two fifty. I feel like even with airbags, I'd still die in that thing. I don't know. I'm just, I, I've, I've never cared about this. And it's a whole, I, I raised a child and daily drove a 1980 Dutch Colt with her in it, you know, and I've never thought about this because I didn't commute on the interstate all the time. And when I did go on the highway, it was short jaunts between exits. It wasn't like just miles and miles and miles of concrete barriers on both sides. What's a basic C5? So... You're going to laugh because I've already had this thought because out here I don't need anything that's front wheel drive or all wheel drive, right? No. But I could, I was like, I'm going to buy a C5 or a C4 and just daily it. But then I looked into the insurance. Oh, really? Way more? Yeah, it's way more money. Whoa. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that was way in the front. The, like, oh, I know what you my need. Mind. I was like, I, I could be Corvette guy. I got it. But... I got it. You need a, a Panther platform car. All right. A, a late Crown Victoria, that's like, that's what you want. You get on the highway, it's got a lot of metal around you, it cruises. It gets 18 miles to the gallon. It's rear wheel drive. It's 18 miles to the gallon. It's got ice cold doing, AC. Again, I'm doing 64 miles a day. It's not my problem. So, listen, I, I'm not looking to buy a car right now. I think how about, I'm not sure what my, my conversation how here about is supposed to end in. Euro Zender Mercedes 500 SEL. For five grand. Now we're talking. That's a big Merc. Is it terrible? No, it's good looking. Oh, oh. that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> you well, have to send me. Car. You have to send me that one. It's a big car. <laughs> yeah, yeah safety wise, it sounds great. I'm just thinking mechanical wise now. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm not sure where I thought you know you were going to help me out in this conversation. I was just having a having a having a moment in my head and. Uh, not sure where I needed to go with it, but I don't think it was buying every garbage old Mercedes on Craigslist. I mean, you wanted something around you. I did, yeah. Just go buy another pickup truck. 2000 Cadillac DHS? Nope. Absolutely not. No North Star cars. Also 18 miles a gallon. Anyway, where 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 can we get off this 78 Oldsmobile 98 Regency. Six miles per gallon. We're going really well. Big metal bumpers. So uh, speaking of vintage cars. Yeah. I uh, went to a big concours here last weekend. I'm changing the subject, so close the, the Craigslist window. Oh, did you hear me click? No, I'm telling you to click it off if you haven't already. I'm um, listening. I'm listening. I went, 
I went to the Fountain Hill Concourse here in uh, Fountain Hills, Arizona. Um, it's not a traditional concourse. Uh, it has some of the fancy high-end stuff when you first walk in, uh, and then it goes to kind of a, a little bit more mishmash. Um, my GPS on my phone said I walked six and a half miles during the event. Mm. That's how big the lot is. Uh, also, being a week after the accident, I uh, didn't walk again for the entire rest of the weekend because I hurt myself pretty bad, but it was totally worth it. Um you walk into this concourse and it has all the vendor tents and all the fancy stuff. And the first display you see is period race cars. Ooh. So all of these cars are local. Well, not all of them. A good majority of them are local Phoenix cars. There was uh, a, a gullwing Mercedes with actual fifties race history. Um, Mario Andretti's 1966 Indy 500 car. Um, Mario and Michael Andretti's. 1985 24-hour Le Mans March chassis race car. Like, it was it was an amazing event. Um, a McLaren F1. Um, well, yeah. A McLaren F1 parked next to one of those new... Uh, what's, the, what's the new Aston Martin? The 177? I don't know. I They're only making, like, a couple of, and they're like... I'm not, is that the one that's like supposed to be based on like the 70s car? Is it? It looks that's like a, it's got all the, the callback stuff to it. Yeah. I think I saw it on Top Gear, but I don't remember what it was called. So the Aston Martin 177. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's the 7.3 liter V12, like front engine, ridiculous. They're only making 77 of them. They're hand built by one of 27 guys. Oh uh, yeah, that's they're, that's definitely the one I saw. They're one point four million dollars. Whoa! Uh, so one of those was there. <laughs> Super cool. Um, all the race cars were surrounded by ropes, um, and then you walk around the corner, and the cars that are not surrounded by ropes, literally a two seventy five GTB, like a nineteen sixty five two seventy five GTB in yellow. Yeah, parked next to a two fifty California Spider long wheelbase. Like the long wheelbase version of the um, Ferris wheel car. car. Yeah. Like just parked casually in the show. Like there were 1,300 cars and over 10,000 spectators. Just to give you an idea of the spec of this show. Like it was huge. It was ridiculous. I can't even begin to explain. And everything's, I, I, all the cars are spread out. Like they're not like parked next to each other. It depends on what section you were in. Um, it was kind of a self-parking areas. So, again, I walked 6.7 miles, so there was plenty of space. So, Fountain Hills, Arizona is a town built around a man-made, like, lake, like, reservoir. Um, and it's all rolling grass hills around this reservoir. In fact, this park that is at the Fountain Hills Reservoir, it actually has two full disc golf courses on it. That's how big the park is. So it was huge, and it was just full of cars. So I, you probably saw some of the pictures I, I put up. You could you could see a good amount of most of the cars. They weren't all just parked next to each other. I mean, I don't know how big a disc golf course is supposed to be. Is it as big as a regular golf course? I don't know. I mean, you got to throw a, throw a disc. It goes pretty far, right? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I won by my house, but it's not that big, I don't think. We played disc golf a few years ago, remember? Yeah, it was pretty big. It was pretty big. 
let's see if I can if I can Google the size of this park real quick. Um, so it's a sixty-four acre park. So that's pretty big, right? Yeah, sixty-four it, acres is pretty big. Hold on, it's sixty-four acres of land around a twenty-nine acre um, lake. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, it's huge. It was full of cars. <laughs> So that's what kind of space it takes to park, you know, 1,300 cars. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, so all those things were there. And then they have, like, you know, the lesser cars are parked kind of by section. So you have a British section and a German section and a Japanese section. And then uh, on one particular corner, there were, like, 16 Panteras. I don't think I've ever seen 16 Panteras in one place. You know, it was pretty pretty impressive display. Um, the cool thing is, is that this whole thing, it's free for spectators. I think it's 40 bucks to, to enter a car in it, but you have to pre-register and they have to like approve your car, yay or nay. Um, but the whole thing is a charity event for Phoenix Children's Hospital. Uh, and I think they raised ooh, $480,000 for Phoenix Children's Hospital. So it's, it's, it's also a pretty, a pretty good charity event. Like it's, Everybody gets excited to come out here for auction week. Now I think this might even be a cooler event than the auction week out here. So yeah. it's the week it's the week after, but it's 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 amazing. It was it was quite a show. You know, I was I was talking to a, a friend of mine um, who was there, and he rolled in in his modern car and just you know parked on the lot like I did. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I just I was driving, and I look in my mirror and I see this little flash of silver, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I noticed that this is literally a McLaren F1, like driving. They didn't trailer it there. They drove it on the highway there. He's like, and I, I just pulled over my window down to watch it go by. <laughs> so like, when do you ever see a McLaren F1 out and about moving around, you know? So the fact that all, most of these cars are driven to the show is amazing. Um, there was a true uh, XKSS Jaguar. Like the green, like Steve, um, Steve McQueen car. I'm sure it wasn't oh, Steve McQueen's okay. car, but like that that same car, like there, like what? How is that even? Is that the amount of over the top ridiculous cars that were there? There was a D type Jag. There was, I mean, I can I can go on. I think there were four Countach's, one LM002, um, just an absurd collection of cars. So it's if if you're in the area at all. <laughs> next year if anybody listening is in the area of fountain hills arizona which is i don't know i'd say it's about 40 minutes from downtown phoenix um the show is the same kind of time every year early february it's it's 100 percent worth checking out i had uh, told a friend of mine to come down he came down with his wife and kids and they got there and they're like we're not prepared for this we expected like a small car show <laughs> like, i don't think we're going to be able to see the whole thing so his kids are very young, but it was just, it was an, it was an amazing, amazing show. And I, I can't recommend it enough, especially with the whole charity thing in the background. Even, you know, I, I didn't even get to the American car section until it was pretty much time to leave. Um, and do you remember Gran Turismo one year picked cars from SEMA that got put in the game? And there was that Buick Wildcat, the green and gray two-tone. Mm -hmm. Like that car was there. Yeah, it was like an Art Morrison chassis thing or something. Sure. But it was just like, oh, that's the car that you got to race in Gran Turismo. And here it is just parked here at a car show. So it was it was absurd. I think there were 35 Vipers, like, of various kinds. Um, 
one the the uh, the Hennessy car that supposedly did 300 miles an hour. Remember that from like a year ago? It was all that yeah. like hoopla about it. That exact car was at the show. Hmm. So it was, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing the amount of stuff that was there. I, I can't. There was a, a legitimate real Mark IV Ford GT. So the like was that late. the late late the long, like longer the tail longer one tail yeah, yeah. kind of goofy looking I've never seen one in person it's oh there you go GT40 beautiful car better than a mirror I think no yeah I still think you're wrong but it's okay again it, that's the beauty of opinions right everybody can have one and only Brad's is right so we'll let it, we'll let it slide but anyway it was it was it was a hell of a show and uh I, I, I can't wait now for next year's. I'll be a little more prepared and uh, hopefully be able to enter a car myself because I won't miss the entry deadline. Because that's what happened. I actually went to enter my car and apparently that weekend they had sold out and it was like a month before the show started. Hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, hopefully I'll be at it next year. But it was cool. It was uh, 100% worth it. So, speaking of Gran Turismo, uh, did you see the trailer for GT7? I didn't watch it. No. Oh. Well, it's coming. I know I've seen screen grabs. It's like pretty crazy. Yeah, it's coming. So I was tempted to consider purchasing a uh, was a PlayStation Five in order to play it. Uh, except PlayStation, you, you could. Yeah, you can't even get one anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh, you can't. No, they're like they're, impossible. They're eight, eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and they're impossible. Are they, are they supposed to be eight hundred dollars? I don't know like what the MSRP. Price? Yeah, no, it's probably more than that. If that's the MSRP, I don't know. I don't. I was seeing them for eight hundred dollars, and I was like, I wouldn't even like. If I was thinking of buying one, seeing at eight hundred dollars, I wouldn't buy one. I thought it was like four or five hundred, like they always have been. But PlayStation fours are still four hundred dollars. I mean, a lot of games are crossplay now, so that's cool. But I don't know. Okay, so it says the PS5 price is supposed to be four ninety nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So the eight hundred dollars must be the markup price. PS4 so, price? No, the PS5 is four ninety nine ninety nine. No, sorry, if I did, then I apologize. The PS5 is four ninety nine. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm looking at markup prices. I see, I see Probably. here, you know, Walmart.com eight hundred and fifteen dollars. So GameStop. Oh no, nope, not even there. So okay, anyway. That's a little more reasonable. I wouldn't pay $800 for a game console. I probably shouldn't pay 500 for a game console either, but I don't know. Do you think that they'll allow this game to be cross-play? Do you think it will have PC play? No, because it would have to be released on uh, another system. Right. It's kind of, Microsoft kind of has that in lock. You just kind of, I don't think they'd ever go to PC. It's probably a PlayStation exclusive. I mean, that makes you... For some people, that's enough to buy a PlayStation because they, the nostalgia yeah. is so real for this game. Well, it almost got me it, there, but it does products. look more like the, you know, like one, two, three was, versus the later versions, which I didn't really like five or six. Correct. Well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a console just for one game because I don't play many other games other than Forza anymore anyway. So, I guess maybe we should concentrate on getting a PC and. Uh, waiting for the next PC racing games. Yeah, even that. I mean, PCs are still impossible to get, so. Are they? 
Yeah, I don't I know. I'm not paying. I'm not paying attention to any of this stuff right now. I guess I'm not really paying attention. I just know from talking to people about it. Like occasionally, it's like I guess we'll just continue to play to... Uh, Dirt 2.0 and uh, Forza Five or whatever, whatever number we're on. Yeah, just gonna keep Forza Seven. What number Forza are we on? Seven. Seven. Keep soldiering yeah. on these old consoles. It's... Yeah. Speaking of which, we need to get some Forza playing going with our group again. Mm. Well, all right. Well, I think it's an episode, Andrew. Anything else to chat about? We kind of rambled through a bunch of stuff there. It was kind of a uh, catch-up day. No, that's it. That is Excellent. it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. So, if anybody wants to argue with Andrew, please feel free to message us um, about what the most beautiful car ever is. If anybody yeah, has go for a it. better a better plan for my shoot, uh, shoot your best shot at me. If anybody has a better plan for my Volkswagen replacement, let me know. And, uh, Shoot your best shot at that too. Yeah, if anybody's got a real cheap car with airbags, looking to get rid of in Arizona for like almost no money, that's reliable. Here, I got an O2 Diamante, twenty nine nine nine. That's too much money. Seventy four thousand miles. Oh, that's actually intriguing. <laughs> it's beige. It'll just it'll just no, fade into the background. Nobody Which will see you. Probably it's probably okay. I could drive a Diamante. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. That's all. We'll chat with you all next time. Yep. Uh, so, social medias. Why don't you go first this time? Sure. Change it up. You can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. You can find Auto Off Topic on Instagram at Auto Off Topic. You can find us on Facebook at Auto Off Topic Podcast. That's right. Where can they find us on Twitter, Andrew? Auto off topic. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Race and Anger, uh, and Instagram, Race and Anger. And don't forget Scale Autocasts, the Instagram account for the the podcast to be recorded podcast. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, if anybody really, really wants to hear my voice, there is another podcast that I am on. Um, mm-hmm. It's through my employer. Um, Pro tip, don't ever tell your employer that you have a podcast because if they decide to do their own podcast, they will put that as your responsibility. So uh, that being said, I actually think we recorded a pretty good episode and it's uh, my poor automotive opinions again, but with uh, two new voices who you won't know, uh, my coworkers, Jeff and Derek, uh, who both bring their own uh, non-Mitsubishi opinions to the podcast. So uh, it's called the Drive the Bid podcast. Um, it is currently pending on all the major platforms. Uh, it can be listened to on the Podbean host at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure when you listen to this, if it will have gotten through the process, but it should eventually be on Apple, iTunes, uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify. All the All the podcast hosts should eventually have it, but... As of this recording, I don't think it's gotten approved yet through those. We're waiting for that to happen. So, again, that's called the Drive the Bid podcast. Yeah, it usually takes about a week. Um, yeah, that's what it said. I like that name. Good name. Yeah, I was on the fence at first, um, but it's come to it's come to be okay. You know, obviously, my day job, I work for a company called AutoHunter.com, and we do online vintage car auctions. So, our podcast called Drive the Bid makes sense in that case. So, it works out. So... It's also always kind of been one of our, like, I don't call it catchphrase. But it's kind of been like our slogan, like autohunter.com, drive the bid. So 
that's where it came from. So anyway, yeah, check it out. There's no social media for that. Just go to autohunter.com and uh, eventually there'll be a link there as well. But because we're a company, it takes a while to get it through everybody and get a link put onto the page. But one episode is live. We kind of introduce who we are, who the company is, uh, a little bit of corporate shillery, and then uh, have a conversation about a few fun things like the Fountain Hill Concord again, actually. We talked about that mm. there as well. So, And then what normally we're doing is we'll discuss, you know, some car events, some car news, some car stuff, just like here. Um, the co-host Derek is a freelance automotive uh, journalist as well, and he's always in a press car. So we usually review his press car as well during that event, during that uh, podcast. Uh, and then we each give our pick of the week for cars that are available for purchase on the autohunter.com platform. So oh, that's fun. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty fun. We're trying to, I'm, I'm trying to keep it different enough from this and uh, not rob any ideas from our podcast for that podcast and not rob any ideas from that podcast for this podcast. So it should be an uh, okay. interesting juggle. I, I don't want to be a lot of repetitive stuff going on. I know our that lawyers honestly, will be contacting you. Yeah. <laughs> I know obviously people want to hear different opinions from me all over the place, which is why they're going to listen there too, right? kidding yeah but anyway yeah so that's it drive the bid you can uh search it it should pop up in Podbean at the moment but eventually like i said it'll be everywhere so that's all all right cool as always keep cars analog and uh aim for the roses oh, yeah.